I fear not the dark itself, but what may lurk within it. Welcome to Lurk, bringing you creepy, strange, and bone-chilling stories with your host, Jamie Jackson. Lurkers, welcome to this week's episode. We had a new bookstore open up, and of course, I went to check it out to see what books they might have for research purposes, and because I'm a bookaholic, and I managed to grab a couple, so I have some interesting episode topics to look into. For today's episode, we're going to talk about the ship, the Queen Mary, which is both a ghost ship in that it has tons of ghosts and a haunted hotel because while it was once a luxury ocean liner, it is now permanently docked and serves as a hotel. So the HMS Queen Mary had its first keel plate laid on December 1st, 1930 in Scotland. December 11th, 1931, work stops because of the Great Depression. The hall plating was 80% done, and it stood nine stories high. On September 26, 1934, She was launched and officially named and took her maiden voyage in 1936. For the first three years of her life, the Queen Mary hosted the world's rich and famous on journeys across the Atlantic. Some of the noted guests included the Duke and Duchess of Windsor, Greta Garbo, Clark Gable, the Marx Brothers, Charlie Chaplin, Charles Lindbergh, Amelia Earhart, and Sir Winston Churchill. Back then, traveling by luxury ship was considered the only civilized way to travel. Then in 1939, World War II broke out and luxury travel ceased. The ship was then refitted and transformed into a transport ship for military troops and was nicknamed the Grey Ghost. The dining saloons became mess halls, serving shifts of 2,000 troops at a time. Cocktail bars, lavish cabins, and staterooms were converted to berthing areas with at least 12 men in each compartment. Even the swimming pools were boarded over and filled with bunks six high. Overall, the ship was converted to carry 16,000 soldiers, which is the equivalent of an entire division on a single voyage. By the end of the war, she carried more than 800,000 troops, and traveled more than 600,000 miles. The Queen Mary played a significant role in virtually every major Allied campaign, and set the record for carrying the most people on a floating vessel, a total of 16,683, and she participated in the D-Day invasion. But the Queen Mary didn't make it through the war unscathed. On October 2, 1942, the sea was choppy, but not overly rough. The Queen Mary had finished zigzagging across the Atlantic. She was on the home stretch of her voyage, sailing through Northern Ireland, carrying around 10,000 American troops. The ship was unescorted most of the time because of its speed and constant course changes, or zigzagging, made the ship difficult to target. Hitler had even offered $250,000 and the Iron Cross to the sub-commander who could sink her. 
The Queen Mary is joined by an escort with the HMS Curaçao and six destroyers as she nears land, which means she's within reach of the Luftwaffe, which is the German Air Force, and needed anti-aircraft protection. As the distance to land decreased, the room on the water to make evasive maneuvers lessened. Lunch on the HMS Curaçao was done, and the cooks were prepping for the evening meal. Most of the crew not on watch were below in their hammocks. The destroyers were told to patrol ahead of the Queen Mary to shield her from mines and U-boats. The day was clear with perfect visibility. The 4,200-ton Curaçao and the destroyers had provided similar escorts for the ocean liner three times in the past. The Curaçao was 456 feet long and had eight four-inch guns designed to fend off and destroy attacking aircraft. The Queen Mary continued the irregular evasive tactics, basically zigzagging. The destroyers were under orders to yield to the maneuvers of the Queen Mary. The Curaçao was ahead of the ocean liner, getting ready to move behind the Queen Mary to bring up the rear looking for enemy aircraft. It was 2.10 p.m., and all the vessels were under a radio silence directive from the Admiral Admiralty. The Queen Mary continued her zigzagging, and it was the responsibility of the escorts to stay clear. The first officer of the Queen Mary advised the captain that the Curaçao was working her way towards the liner's stern and could be close to a converging course, and at the same time, Curaçao's captain realized the same issue and changed their course. Both ships were doing 30 knots, and their merging bow wakes were creating a tremendous wave. As the ships nearly converged, the turbulence of their wakes caused each vessel to yaw, or lean, ever so slightly, causing small counter-course change for both ships. Deep in the Queen Mary's engine and fire rooms, the men there felt a slight jar, like the Queen Mary had struck a slightly larger wave. The captain of the Queen Mary on the bridge was looking at charts when he felt a slight bump. Because of those slight counter-course changes, the Queen Mary nudged the stern of the Curaçao, and the Curaçao ended up broadside in the path of the Queen Mary. There was no time to react, and the Queen Mary sliced through the Curaçao. She sank, and of the 439 on board... 338 died. The Queen Mary suffered only minor damage. At the end of the war, the Queen Mary began to transport more than 22,000 war brides and their children to the United States and Canada. These were known as bride and baby voyages, and the Queen Mary made 13 of them in 1946. Once she wasn't needed for war-based use, the Queen Mary was sent to be refurbished and converted back to a luxury ocean liner. She resumed her luxury cruises July 1947. By the 1960s, transatlantic cruises were no longer fashionable with, with air travel becoming more affordable. In 1967, the Queen Mary is withdrawn from service and sold for $3.4 million to the city of Long Beach, California to be used as a museum and hotel. The cost to convert the ship into a tourist destination was an additional $50 million. And it's said that during the renovation, 
is when strange things began happening. Workers complained of tools disappearing, then showing up later, exactly where they had been left. A secretary passing the engine room one night, after the workers had left, heard clanging coming from below. She thought perhaps some of the workers were working overtime, and went below to where she thought the sounds were coming from. But she found herself alone in silence. When she went back upstairs, the noise started again. The Queen Mary was a large ship, basically a floating city that never left port with fewer than a thousand passengers, and sometimes carried as many as 16,000, plus the crew. So it wouldn't be unusual to learn that there were some mishaps and tragedies here and there. One incident happened on July 10, 1966. The watertight doors in the engine and boiler rooms were ordered to be closed as part of a routine fire drill. About five minutes later, 18-year-old engine room employee John Petter was found crushed in the door of hatch number 13. He was trapped with his arms pinned to his sides. He was freed and carried to the hospital ward, but it was too late. He showed signs of crush injuries on his arms, chest, and pelvis, and was bleeding from his nose. He was injected with morphine to ease the pain, and he died shortly after. Not surprising, his ghost is regularly seen around the area. People report the sound of someone running behind them, and they also hear whistling. Others have possibly made contact with the doomed crewmen, noticing spots of grease that look like fingerprints on their faces. Some have seen the figure of a bearded man in blue overalls that looks like the man who died. And still other visitors have said they saw an engineer wandering the hallways, asking if guests have seen his wrench, but when they went back to find him, he had disappeared. One night, a security guard patrolling the ship with a specially trained dog heard a noise behind watertight door number 13. The dog suddenly stopped and refused to move any further. A search of the area turned up nothing, but the archive records showed that it was the same door John Petter was crushed in. Sometime after the incident with the security guard, a tour guide was walking up some steps when she felt a presence behind her. She turned quickly and saw the image of a young man just before he disappeared. The tour guide, who allegedly didn't know about the death associated with hatch door number 13, picked out a photo of John Petter as the person she saw. The Queen Mary's security lieutenant told of doors and hatches that had been secured and locked would open in the hours after midnight. Some of the doors were even found propped open. A reporter for the Miami Herald was allowed to spend a night on the ship. He heard a loud clanging noise like someone was banging on pipes. He went to see where the sound was coming from, and as he neared the noise's source, the sound stopped. When he walked away, it started up again. He started walking back through a passageway he had just been through, and he found his way blocked by an oil drum. Hatch door number 13 isn't the only haunted location on the ship. There are many. The Mauritania Room, also known as the Garden Lounge, is used as a reception area. In 1989, two women were sent to clean the lounge for a VIP reception. 
When they entered the room, they found a passenger sitting on a chair in the middle of the dance floor, who didn't say a word. When a third woman came in to help with the cleaning, she remarked that the passenger was staring, and she asked the passenger to move. As they started to call security, the passenger faded away in front of them. The Mayfair room was once the ship's beauty salon, but it's now used as offices for the hotel. In 2001, a member of the accounting staff came in early to work around 5.30 a.m. She immediately felt like something was off. She went about her office tasks before sitting down at her desk and feeling unusually cold. Later, she felt someone brush up against the back of her chair, but no one was there. Just minutes after that, she saw a transparent figure in white walk across the room and pass through the door. Of course, the accountant immediately left the office and didn't return until her co-workers arrived. The areas of the first-class and second-class swimming pools are both areas of paranormal activity as well. The pools are not in use because of California code issues. The first-class pool was the epitome of luxury with an illuminated fountain, a mother-of-pearl ceiling, and elaborate mosaic tiles. People have reported seeing several ghosts, including a young woman in a tennis skirt walking downstairs and disappearing behind a pillar. A woman in an old wedding gown next to the pool is seen with a little boy in a suit, and a cloud of steam appears out of nowhere. There's also a little girl in a blue and white dress that disappears the moment she is seen. One person spending the night on the ship found himself in a narrow, dark passageway with several dressing rooms, none of which were in use and hadn't been in use for decades. In four of the rooms, the lights came on by themselves, and the man didn't stick around to see what happened next. And one of the ship's supervisors was standing by the empty pool, and she watched wet footprints mysteriously appear one by one along the pool deck, as though someone had just gotten out of the pool and was walking away. But there was no one there, and no water in the pool. One of the members of the security staff was standing next to the stairway leading to the pool. There, next to the pool, they saw a middle-aged woman in a one-piece bathing suit. She appeared to be from the 1950s, and looked like she was about to dive into the empty pool. The guard screamed at her, and she disappeared. The second-class pool is now known as the Royal Theater, and is known for sounds of laughter and splashing. It's also one of the areas frequented by one of the favorite ghosts on the ship, a little girl named Jackie. There's information that suggests little Jackie drowned in the pool, and that she was possibly part of those war bride voyages after the war. She's a friendly ghost who likes to communicate with guests and often plays peekaboo with them as well. The former first-class lounge, known as the Queen's Salon, is home to a beautiful young woman dressed in an elegant white evening gown, seen dancing alone. And in boiler room number four, people have seen a little girl sometimes sucking her thumb and sometimes with a doll in her hands though it's a possibility that this is Jackie, as she is seen in several different areas of the ship, looking for and calling out to her mother. In some of the staterooms, people have seen a dark-haired man in 1930s-style suit. 
The water and lights turn on by themselves in the middle of the night, and the phone rings early in the morning, but there's nobody on the other end. There are knocks on the doors and doors slamming, high-pitched squeals and drastic temperature changes. And the most haunted stateroom is B340 and was apparently a problem long before it opened as a hotel. In 1948, British third-class passenger Walter J. Adamson died in the room and the details of his death are unknown. In 1966, a woman staying in the room reported she was woken up when the bed covers were pulled off of her and she saw a man standing at the foot of her bed. She screamed and rang for a steward, but the man vanished. Other guests through the years reported hearing someone knocking on the door in the middle of the night and seeing the bathroom lights turn on. The hotel maids started complaining that they would find the bathroom water running, even when no one had stayed in the room for days. One reported the bed covers were pulled right off the bed after she put them on. In the 1980s, the room was closed for occupancy, though it was a highly requested room. It was eventually opened for just one night stays. And do you remember the story of the Curacao? Well, the most reported happening on the Queen Mary is the most shocking. A marine engineer aboard the ship first experienced it when the liner was nearing her permanent berth in Long Beach, California. He first heard men screaming while the ship was still at sea. He was below deck in the bow at the furthest forward point one could get in the ship. He heard voices of horrified men screaming in panic, followed by the noise of tearing metal. It seemed to be coming from outside the ship, where there was nothing but the water. After the Queen Mary was permanently docked, the sounds of the two ships colliding terrified others from time to time. The sounds of shrieking and grinding metal always sounded like it was coming from outside the ship. I have no idea what the creaking noise is. I thought my husband was actually walking outside the room, and he's not. I just checked. Oh, Lord. Where was I? After being closed for the past two years because of COVID and making needed repairs, the Queen Mary is now welcoming guests once again. And with that, we're going to end this episode so I can get out of this creepy room with its creepy creaking that I don't know where it's coming from. Remember, you can find Lurk wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or at lurkpodcast.com, where we have all of our episodes plus links to our social media accounts. If you prefer to listen to podcasts on YouTube, you can also find us there. Make sure you subscribe. I have no idea what that noise is. Uh, We have a couple of festivals coming up this summer, so look for that information coming soon. And until next time, keep lurking. Hey, lurkers, it's me again. I wanted to share with you one of the clips from the episode that I took out when 
I first heard the noise. I wasn't sure what it was. I originally thought that it was my husband walking in the hallway. And I restarted what I had been saying after the noise stopped. So I did want you to hear that first clip. So here it is. And if you have any thoughts on what it might be, definitely let me know. A reporter for the Miami Herald was allowed to spend a night on the ship 